Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Galatians 5, beginning at verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he be under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit of faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Father, we are in your church this morning as your children. We come with many problems and many concerns. We come with joys, but we also come with heartaches. We come well, but many come ill. We come saved, and perhaps we come lost. We come with faith and we come without faith. But our Father, we've come. May this service this morning be one that would see miracles performed. May the power of your Spirit that came upon Jesus at his baptism that came upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost, come upon us this morning and fill us with the power of your Spirit. For those who are not saved, may this be the day of salvation. We see the power of your Spirit fill their lives. For those of us, our Father, who are saved, may there be a refilling May there be a quickening of our spirit with yours. We know that you're in our midst. As we look into your word now, we pray that you would use it however it needs to be used. Touch each of us in our daily life. Touch each of us in our time of need. Touch the souls any who know you not. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to deal this morning with a subject that is somewhat controversial, and I'm quite sure will not be agreed to by everyone who sits in this congregation, but that doesn't bother me a bit. I don't know if it will bother you, but That's okay. 
I want to talk about the differences in faith and works. The problems of believing in Jesus Christ and being saved by what you believe as opposed to by what your works might be, what you might do. You have heard it said many times, what you say speaks so loud, or let me say that over, what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. What you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. When we make that statement, we're really intending to say, we interpret that which you do to reflect that which you believe. Or to put it another way, what one does reflects what one is. If we believe that, then we certainly, are, I'm sure, believe that if one has a belief about the Scripture, then that belief of God's Word ought to be reflected in his life. Or, to put it another way, if I might paraphrase, right doctrine ought to result in right living. Right doctrine ought to result in right living. If you believe it, live it. Now that sort of hits where we live and causes some problems amongst people who are not church people in looking at the church, in looking at Christians, when sometimes they see in us something different than we seem to say. But our words in their mind does not always coincide with what their concept is of a Christian. There are many people with whom I don't believe with whom I don't agree. I, for example, do not hold the same theology as much that is taught by the Catholic Church. I likewise don't hold too much of the theology taught by the Pentecostal Church, and they don't hold to that which I believe, but there's one thing that I believe all of us ought to adhere to, and that is whatever your belief is, if you really believe it, then you certainly ought to reflect it in your life. A good Catholic ought to be a good Catholic. A good Pentecostal ought to be the best Pentecostal possible. And a good Baptist ought to be beyond reproach. If we believe it, let's live it. So that which we say we believe from God's word ought to be reflected in the fruit that is produced in our lives. In the efforts that we expend, it ought to say I believe in Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of my life. We use the two terms, Lord and Savior. Oftentimes people want to accept Jesus as, as Savior, but do not want to accept him as Lord. Jesus will not be our Savior if he cannot be our Lord. 
He wants to be the dominant force in our life. Now I have said that right doctrine ought to result in right living, but I use the word right. There is a possibility that one's belief could be wrong. You have also heard it said that it makes no difference what you believe as long as you believe something. And I want to say, don't you believe that? It's entirely possible to have one's belief entirely wrong. There are many people who believe they're going to heaven, but they're going to discover they're in error, but the error is going to be observed too late. The scripture says that the devil believes in Jesus Christ. The devil believe and tremble is what the actual scripture says. Devil, the devil believes what he certainly does not receive. The devil's life reflects something indifferently than what he actually knows. So one can believe and be lost because he has believed the wrong thing. In the New Testament, there was a man by the name of Simon Magus was his last name, or if to put it in terms, Simon the Magician. Magus means magician. Who saw Paul and some of the other apostles healing, casting out devils? My, he couldn't do that. There was no magical power he had to accomplish it, although he was a great magician. So he came to the, to the apostles and said, I'd like to buy that power. Sell me that power. So that I can cast out devils and so that I can heal people. And he really got condemned for his desire to buy his way into the kingdom of God. He totally misunderstood what the apostles were all about. But that didn't stop him. He believed that if the apostles could do it, he could do it. To the point that he finally said, listen, I can fly. The apostles can't fly, but I'll prove to you that I'm more powerful than they by flying. And so he got on the temple, of the, on the pinnacle of the church temple, steeple, with all the crowds down below, and he was going to prove his tremendous magic by flying, and he leaped off the building, but he was wrong. He couldn't fly. And they buried him that day. He believed that his belief was wrong and he's lost his life. People can believe and their belief be wrong and they lose their life. This is the point that we need to look at in the particular passage of Scripture before us. The Jews were coming saying, You've got to be circumcised to be saved. And if you don't undergo the ritual of circumcision, you're going to be lost. That was a big discussion in the early church. Are you saved by believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Or are you saved by doing something? Over in the book of Acts, 15th chapter, if you want to turn over there with me, 
we have the, the very root of the question. In the first verse, some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, that is the church, that is Christian people, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Oh, unless you're baptized, you can't be saved. Unless you belong to the Baptist church, you can't be saved. Unless you're a Catholic, you can't be saved. Unless you are a good moral person, you can't be saved. Where does the list of things stop that you can't be saved if you do? The first one they mentioned is you've got to undergo the rite of circumcision, which was the Old Testament process of becoming a Jew for a man. But unless you do it, they said you can't be saved. Now look down at verse 5 and 6. Then certain one of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, that is a believing Jew now, here is a Jew who is a Christian, stood up and says, this is a Christian talking, remember that, it is necessary to circumcise them, that is the Gentile people he's referring to, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Wow. Here comes a man of the church, a believing person, who says, hey, you've got to undergo a certain ritual to be saved. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders came together to look into the matter. So there was a church council called, by the way, in history, the council that was called here is called the Jerusalem Council, if you ever hear that term. So... All of the apostles and other believers got together in Jerusalem for the purpose of discussing how you saved. Jews were saying, even though they were Christians, you've got to be circumcised. The Gentiles were saying, why should we undergo the ritual of circumcision? That was a Jewish custom. It has nothing to do with the Gentile. And besides, they were saying, we are saved by our belief in Jesus Christ by our acceptance of him. Not by some ritual and Jews saying, no sir, unless you're circumcised you can't be. Unless you join our church you can't be. Unless you do the things that we say, you can't be saved. Have you heard those phrases recently? Nonsense. Pure, utter nonsense, total misunderstanding of what God's word says. There is no place in God's word that requires any kind of ritual, whatever it might be, in order to be saved. Look down at verse 11. Peter gets up and makes a speech to this Jerusalem council. Look what he says. We believe, we, the apostles, those who had been with Jesus for three years had witnessed everything from his baptism to his ascension, who had been taught by Jesus through and through, who were the ones that were to carry the gospel, to establish the church, to uh, proclaim the truth of God's word for all time, the beginning of the church. We believe that we are saved 
through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they, that is the Gentiles, the non-Jew, are saved. Oh, what a tremendous statement. And not yet believed by everybody in the church today. The apostles believed that they were saved by the grace of God. And that's all. That's all. Add nothing. Verse 2 of our scripture in Galatians 5. Paul says, If you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, Remember, circumcision is a physical act. What he is saying is, if you insist that you're saved by circumcision, you don't need Christ. Let me expound on it a little further. He is saying, if you believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, you don't need Christ. If you believe that you have to become a member of the church to be saved, you don't need Christ. You see that? All right, let's go on to, to um, verse 3. And people began to say, but what if? What if a person who is saved commits murder? You going to continue to be saved? Suppose this person who is saved commits adultery. Does he lose his salvation? Adulterer can't be saved, can he? Well, now let's just read what uh, uh, Peter, or Paul, or Peter rather, said there again. We believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Good. Not by some work or lack of work. Not by the fact that we might or might not have been right. He says, if we insist on being saved by the way we live, we don't need Christ. If you can get yourself into heaven by your good works, bypass the cross, brethren, you don't need it. Jesus died in vain. God was foolish in thinking that you needed to have the blood of Christ to drip off the cross to cleanse me of my sins if I can walk into heaven on my good morality. That's what he said. Let's go on to verse 3. As soon as I find it again, lost it, here we go. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. If you are going to be Saved by obedience to the law, you're going to have to keep them all. What law? The Ten Commandments. All right, let's take them. If you're going to be saved by being obedient to the Ten Commandments, you better not break any of them. And so we start saying, well, I haven't committed murder, and I haven't committed adultery, and I haven't stolen, and I don't covet, and all that. Let's go back to number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
Jesus was asked on one occasion, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And he said, the greatest commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. Is there a person in this congregation or anybody you know anywhere that has loved the Lord his God with his complete being without exception? Total, complete, all, full? No. We cannot possibly love God to that degree because we are weak and human and sinful. Therefore, if we're going to be saved by obedience to the Ten Commandments, we're already lost because we haven't got by commandment number one. None of us can be saved by obedience to the Ten Commandments. And Paul makes it clear in this verse, if you are going to live in obedience to the Ten Commandments, you're going to have to keep them all. The breaking of one of them is the breaking of the law. One slip and you're done for. One slip and you're in hell. Can't do it. Brethren, if we have to live by the Ten Commandments to get into heaven, none of us are going to be there. None of us are. At verse 4. We have been severed, or you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You've fallen from grace. This verse is a difficult verse. Talking about falling from grace. And those people who believe that you can lose your salvation will go to this verse real quickly to, to make that point. I do not believe, in light of the total passage of Scripture that we have, that this particular verse is talking about a person who is saved. It's talking about a person who's trying to be saved by being morally good. That's what it's talking about, and he's not going to make it. He has fallen. Morality will not get a person into heaven. It makes no difference how moral one might be, how righteous one might be, how honest one might be. Trying to get there is, is impossible and you're going to fall. You're not going to make it. All right, let's go on to verse 5. I have one other point I want to make before my time runs up. We, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. There is not one thing in that verse that he talks about what he is going to or not going to do or be. He is talking about through the Spirit, of Jesus Christ through the Spirit of God, by faith, by faith, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Nothing about works. By faith we expect something in the future. Not by works do we expect anything. By faith. A person will say, well, listen, I'm just as good as your church members. I've had that said to me so many times, I already can quote it before the person starts saying it. I know exactly what they're going to say. I hear it all when I'm talking to somebody, 
about becoming a Christian, one of the things that they'll start talking about, look, I'm just as good as your church members. You know, the problem is, that's right. Not only are they just as good as the church members, they're just as good as the preacher. And just as good as the deacons. And probably, in many cases, they're better than the church members, better than the preacher and better than the deacons. We're not, again, talking about morality. For more, Salvation is not based upon morality. Salvation is not based upon church attendance. It's not based upon how much you put in the offering plate. It's not based upon how much you help your neighbor. Salvation is based upon your dependence on Jesus Christ to do for you what you can't do for yourself. We've got to get that sorted out. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast, says Paul. In the sixth verse, he says, Jesus Christ, or in, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. He's saying it doesn't make any difference whether you're circumcised or whether you don't. He's saying for salvation it doesn't make any difference if you did uh, good or if you did not do good. Because our salvation is not based upon what we do, it's based upon what we believe. Now, before we get all confused and saying, well, if that's the case, I'll accept Jesus Christ and go out and live like the devil and I'll be saved. Don't get yourself fooled. Now, let's don't stop short here. Faith will produce works. It is not a substitute for, works are not a substitute for faith. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will live for him. But you can be all those moral things you want to be and not accept Jesus Christ. Let me say it this way. Do not work to gain salvation, but work because you have salvation. Say it another way. Do not work to be loved, but work because you love. Let's put it another way. Do not work for righteousness, but work out of righteousness. Work because we have righteousness. Are you saved? I didn't say, are you moral? Or immoral. I didn't say, are you a good neighbor or a bad neighbor? I didn't ask you if you paid your taxes and if you voted yesterday and if you did all the other things that good, honest, upright citizens are supposed to do. I'm asking you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you put your trust in Him? Because salvation is something that Jesus does for man. He died on the cross to give his life. That whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Did you hear the shall nots and the is's in there? Very definite statements of the Lord. Once one is saved, and he certainly ought to live like it. If we believe it, as I started out with, if we believe it, let's live it. 
and let's reflect our faith by what we do, but let's not depend upon what we do to be the cause of our salvation, for the cause of our salvation is nothing other than Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. If you're not a Christian this morning, you ought to become one. Receive the Lord Jesus in faith. Just step out in faith. And say, I trust him, I believe in him, I accept him as my Savior. Then from that point on, what you do in your life ought to be reflecting what you believe. But first of all, you've got to believe. You've got to receive, accept Christ. If you're not sure of your salvation, then you ought to make it sure. Just trust in Jesus Christ and let him do the miracle. Let him do the miracle. The miracle is that he would want to save us at all. The double miracle is that he not only wanted to, he did it. Have you received the double miracle? God wants to do it this morning. Shall we Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.